Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the judgment of God against Tyre as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 23, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now in chapter 23, he takes up his burden against Tyre. Tyre was, of course, a seaport town. It was uh, the area the people of Tyre were known as Phoenicians. And so you who are versed in your ancient history know of the Phoenicians and the tremendous uh, navy that the Phoenicians possessed. They were merchants. They, their ships plied the Mediterranean. In fact, they even went around the Cape Horn to bring back goods, merchandise and all. And the Phoenician navy more or less ruled the seas. Uh, and uh, in those days, the navies were used primarily for merchandising. And so Tyre was the commercial capital of the world as far as goods and and variety of goods and all. Uh, Commercialism more or less centered in Tyre in those days, the city of Tyre. So he is uh, pronouncing now the judgment of God against Tyre, the commercial capital. It is interesting as you go into the prophecies of Ezekiel that Ezekiel also in chapter 26 declares the destruction of Tyre. The description that Ezekiel gives in chapter 26 is much more detailed than is that of Isaiah. Ezekiel points out that there will be two enemies that will come against Tyre. The first one would break down their walls, destroy their cities and so forth. The second one would take the rubble and cast it into the midst of the sea and scrape the dust and cast it into the midst of the sea. And he goes on and, and, he, and he divides the sieges of Tyre between he shall do this, he shall do this, he shall do that. And then it turns and the pronoun becomes they and they and they and they. Now, as you look at your secular history, you'll find that Nebuchadnezzar, came against Tyre first. After a 13-year siege, he finally took Tyre. But as the scripture said, he'll not get any spoil. And Nebuchadnezzar, after 13 years, did not take any spoil. Because while he was uh, besieging the city of Tyre, because he basically had a land army and and the Phoenicians had all these ships, the people of Tyre, during this period of siege, actually moved to an island that was about a mile offshore. And they built a whole new city of Tyre on this island so that by the time Nebuchadnezzar took the city of Tyre, the people had pretty well moved out to this island, and thus he didn't take any spoil, just like Ezekiel said. But then Ezekiel said, And they shall come, and they shall take thy timbers and thy stones and cast them into the midst of the sea, and they will scrape thy dust and throw it in the midst of the sea. That's a strange thing for a prophet to say about the destruction of a city. But when Alexander the Great, a couple of hundred years after Nebuchadnezzar, came in his conquest of that area, when he came to the city of Tyre and made a demand that they capitulate to him, they said, are you kidding? You know, we're safe. We're out here on this island. There's nothing you can do. Well, he tried to gather a navy from ships in Sidon and so forth, and it was that, that invasion was crushed. And so Alexander the Great then 
launched upon this very interesting campaign of taking the ruins of the old city of Tyre. And he began to throw the rocks, the timbers and all, building a causeway out to the island. Finally taking the dirt and scraping it and dumping it on top so that he could get his machines for besieging the city the, uh, and all, moving them along this causeway that he built, and he fulfilled the weird prophecies of Ezekiel of scraping the dust and all and throwing it into the midst of the sea, and he built the causeway out to Tyre and finally took the city of Tyre, utterly destroying it, and the Bible says, and thy place shall be a place for the spreading of nets. Now, for years, people just thought when they saw the ruins of the area of Tyre that this was just a peninsula. But upon closer examination, they've discovered that it is exactly as the historian said, this is the island city of Tyre, and the peninsula that they thought was a peninsula is actually an artificial causeway that was built by Alexander the Great as he conquered the city of Tyre exactly according to the script. You'd think that Alexander had read the Bible or something. He just followed the script perfectly as God declared. And the interesting thing, when they finally discovered the site of ancient Tyre, when they finally realized this is Tyre, they looked up and here were fishermen spreading their nets on the rocks there. Just like Ezekiel said, and thy place shall be a place for the spreading of nets. So again, God's interesting word being fulfilled. Then in Ezekiel 28, he takes up this lamentation against the king of Tyre. But as he is speaking against the king of Tyre, the prophecy switches and he begins to address himself unto Satan, the power behind the king of Tyre. In addressing himself, Ezekiel says, concerning Satan, thou was perfect in beauty, perfect in wisdom, perfect in all of thy ways until the day that iniquity was found in thee and so forth. And thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. And he is describing Satan. Now, Tyre was the center of the commercial system. God seems to have it in for man's commercial systems. It would seem that God is not interested in men exploiting other men for their own profit. And God comes down hard against Tyre because of its commercialism. In the 18th chapter of Revelation, the final great commercial system that is destroyed, again, it says, weep and howl, ye merchants, you know, for you were made rich and so forth by thy merchandise and all. But it says, rejoice, ye in heaven. For those men who have enslaved other men in debts and so forth are over, you know. So that when we enter into the kingdom age, you won't find commercialism. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come and drink, eat freely. Commercialism will be over in the kingdom age, and all of us will share together in that kingdom, and no one will be exploiting someone else for gain or for profit. And, and God really has it in for people exploiting others for personal gain or profit. And so he takes up the burden against Tyre. The commercial center, howl ye ships of Tarshish, for it is laid waste. 
so that there is no house, no entering in from the land of Chittim. It is revealed to them. So Tyre is to be laid waste, it was, this great commercial city. Be still, ye inhabitants of the coast, thou whom the merchants of Sidon that pass over the sea have replenished. By the great waters, the seed of Sihor, the harvest of the river is her revenue, and she is the marketplace of the nations. Be thou ashamed, O Sidon, for the sea hath spoken, even the strength of the sea, saying, I travail not, nor bring forth children, neither do I nourish up young men, nor bring up virgins. As at the report concerning Egypt, so shall they be sorely pained at the report of Tyre. Pass ye over to Tarshish, howl ye inhabitants of the coast. Is this your joyous city whose antiquity is of ancient days? Her own feet shall carry her afar off to sojourn. Who hath taken this counsel against Tyre, the crowning city, whose merchants are princes, whose traffickers are the honorable of the earth? The Lord of hosts hath purposed it to stain the pride of all glory and to bring into contempt all the honorable of the earth. Pass through the land as a river, O daughter of Tarshish. There is no more strength. He stretched out his hand over the sea. He shook the kingdoms, and the Lord hath given a commandment against the merchant city to destroy the strongholds thereof. And he said, Thou shalt no more rejoice, O thou that oppressest the virgin daughter of Sidon. Arise, pass over to Chittim, and there also shalt thou have no rest. Behold, the land of the Chaldeans. This people was not till the Assyrian founded it for them that dwell in the wilderness. They set up the towers thereof. They raised up the palaces thereof, and he brought it to ruin. Howl, ye ships of Tarsus. Now he speaks here of the Chaldeans or the Babylonians being the conquerors. Howl, ye ships of Tarsus. For your strength is laid waste, the great Phoenician uh, navy. And it shall come to pass in that day that Tyre shall be forgotten for 70 years according to the days of one king. And after the end of 70 years shall Tyre sing as a harlot. Take a harp, go about the city, thou harlot, that hast been forgotten. Make sweet melody, sing many songs that thou mayest be remembered. And it shall come to pass after the end of 70 years that the Lord will visit Tyre and he shall turn to her higher and shall commit fornication with all the kingdoms of the world upon the face of the earth. And her merchandise and her hire shall be holiness to the Lord. It shall not be treasured nor laid up for her merchandise shall be for them that dwell before the Lord to eat sufficiently and for durable clothing. Now in Psalms, a psalm of the kingdom age speaks of Tyre bringing her gifts and so forth unto the Lord in the kingdom age in one of the kingdom psalms. So ultimately, Tyre will be used again only for the supplying of the kingdom of the Lord. Now as we get into chapter 24, we get into really things that the earth will be facing very soon because we get into things that will be happening during the great tribulation as the Lord is preparing the earth for the return of Jesus Christ, purging the earth before the return in his second coming. Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty. He makes it waste. He turns it upside down and then scatters abroad the inhabitants thereof. Now, this sounds like it could refer to a polar axis flip. He turneth it upside down. There are some physicists who speak of a polar axis flip. 
by studying the ions in iron ore because the positive poles are in the wrong direction. They theorize that at one time the magnetic poles were different than what they are today and that there has actually been a polar shift. And, and you can get quite a bit of material in the various papers and all that are done by the physicists who have made a study of this, the ionic structures really and the, the changes that have taken place through periods of time. In the book Worlds in Collision by Emmanuel Velikovsky, it is his premise in the book that the planet Venus was introduced into our solar system during the time of recorded history, that it actually was a comet that came into our solar system, made a close pass to the Earth during the time of the plagues upon Egypt. And he attributes many of these plagues to this Venus being introduced. In fact, the pillar of fire, he theorizes, was actually this comet, the planet Venus. Uh, and that it moved out, but yet came back in at the time of Joshua's long day when the earth stood still. And that the earth stood still as a result of this close pass of this comet Venus. It came so close that a gigantic electrical spark came between the earth and Venus that stopped the earth. And when the earth began its rotation again, it began to rotate in the opposite direction. That before the earth was actually rotating from west to east, but after this close pass, and, and he gives some records out of Babylonian astronomy charts showing where uh, in the older charts, the planet Venus doesn't exist, and yet it's one of the brightest planets in the sky. And, and he gives all kinds of, it's a fascinating book. I don't, you know, it, it's created quite a furor in, in the scientific circles, but it would seem that more and more they are beginning to accept some of the theories, at least, that he presents in this book, Worlds in Collision. If you like just good, interesting uh, reading uh, of someone who brings up a lot of interesting things that uh, he is seeking to make points off of, uh, I found the book very fascinating. That with uh, Ages in Chaos and then his latest book, Earth in Upheaval. But uh, the basic premise is that the planet Venus was then locked into a solar orbit and became a part of our solar system. But it happened during uh, the period of history. And uh, he, I like the book because he proves that the long day of Joshua did exist. If it was a long night or long evening afternoon over there, then it would have been a long night over here. So he goes into the Inca records and finds a long night recorded in the Inca records. And, you know, all the way around, he follows the whole thing around the earth in the Chinese records, in the Indian records, in the islands, some of the records, and, and he follows this thing all around the world and, and correlates it would be a long morning here, it would be a long afternoon, it would be a long evening, long uh, night, and so forth. And he correlates these things in the histories, in the records of ancient men. 
and uh, really confirming the fact that that long day did take place. The rest of the world didn't understand why. Only Joshua and his men really knew why the sun stood still. It was to give them a chance to totally wipe out their enemy. When the long night took, or when the long afternoon took place, it said that God began to throw rocks at their enemy and more were destroyed by the rocks. And he believes that this were the debris from the tail of this comet Venus that just pelted the enemies of Joshua. Of course, that's man trying to look at it from a natural standpoint and explain things from a natural standpoint because it, it would be uh, sort of difficult to explain why the rocks only hit the enemy instead of Joshua's troops too, you see. So, but it, it is interesting, fascinating. I enjoyed reading it. It's a lot of original type of thinking and I just like uh, original thinking. So, the Lord speaks here about he's going to turn the world upside down, scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. Vilikoski believes that it caused a polar shift at that time and that it's going to happen again. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, and with the servant, so with the masters, with the maids, so with their mistress, and with the buyer, so with the seller, with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of usury, as him who gives usury to him. The land shall be utterly empty. In other words, it's going to come on everybody. Nobody's going to escape it. Rich and poor are going to be affected alike. The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the Lord hath spoken this word. And, of course, this will take place during this great tribulation period where not only will men through wars be devastating the earth, but there will also be corresponding cataclysmic events being sent from God that are just going to devastate the planet Earth. Be no time to be here, I'll tell you. The earth mourneth and fadeth away. The world languisheth and fadeth away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. The earth is also defiled under the inhabitants thereof because... They have transgressed the laws. They have changed the ordinance. They've broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. Very few will actually make it through the entire Great Tribulation period. Very few will come out on the other side. The new wine mourneth, the vine languisheth, and all the merry-hearted do sigh. The mirth of the tabret ceases, and the noise of them that rejoice ends, and the joy of the harp ceases. They shall not drink wine with a song. Strong drink shall be bitter to them that drink it. The city of confusion is broken down, and every house is shut up that no man may come in. There is crying for wine in the streets. All joy is darkened. The mirth of the land is gone, and the city is left desolate, and the gate is smitten with destruction. And when thus it shall be in the midst of the land among the people, there shall be as the shaking of an olive tree and the gleaning of grapes when the vintage is done. And they shall lift up their voice and they shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea. Wherefore glorify ye the Lord in the fires, even in the name of the Lord God of Israel in the coast of the sea. From the uttermost part of the earth, 
have we heard songs, even glory to the righteous. But I said, my leanness, my leanness, woe unto me. The treacherous dealers have dealt treacherously. Yea, the treacherous dealers have dealt very treacherously. For fear and the pit and the snare are upon thee, O inhabitant of the earth. Fear, the pit, and the snare. Now we are told that the Antichrist, the beast that thou sawest, who was and is not, shall ascend out of the pit, out of the abuso. So it's talking about the time during the reign of the Antichrist, a reign of tyranny and fear. And Jesus speaks about the days of the Great Tribulation as being a snare. Jesus said that, that you should beware of uh, gluttony, of drunkenness, and the cares of this world. For they shall be a snare, as a snare upon the inhabitants of the earth in that time. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Isaiah 23 through 24 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Now may the Lord be with you and bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. May your heart be filled with his love. May you walk in the Spirit. And may you be strengthened by the work of his Holy Spirit in your inner man. May you be increased in knowledge and understanding of his word and of his will and of his purposes for your life. That you might walk before the Lord in a way that is pleasing unto him. And may God increase your faith your trust. May He work in your life in a very beautiful way as He nurtures you and as He leads you into that path of fellowship with Himself. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Want to know how to gain wisdom from God? Then don't miss out on Wisdom for Today by Pastor Chuck Smith. Hi, this is Cheryl Broderson. Growing up, I had the wonderful privilege of spending every morning with my dad. And every morning, he would impart to me just a little bit of God's wisdom. Now, you can have that same opportunity if you pick up my father's devotional, Wisdom 
for today. It's a 365-day trip through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and each day ends with a special prayer incorporating what you learn into your heart. That's wisdom for today. I pray that you have a wonderful journey with my Father. The gift of wisdom is priceless. Be sure to order Wisdom for Today by Pastor Chuck Smith as a gift for yourself or for a friend. Call the word for today at 1-800-272-9673. That's 1-800-272-9673. Or to read a sample, visit thewordfortoday.org.